love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. Don't you just love a good love story? Love is like that. It's the light that is part of your life. It's unconditional. There's something there for all of us. There's hope that we can get through this and find some joy in our lives. He's always been the one. Self-love is a love story too. Those little sparks of joy are really important. Imagine someone making your biggest dream come true. It's important for people to understand that you're not alone. We love to be part of a Canadian love story. The love story never ends. Well, love is the most important thing. The first week was very, very difficult. I was lonely. I didn't know what to do. The greatest gift my mom said to me was, I said, I don't know if this is going to work out. This was early days. And she said, well, if it doesn't work out, you got to come home and get a job like the rest of us. Like, if that's the worst thing, then you're okay. Her saying that to me really meant a lot because I thought, that's right. What is the worst thing that could happen? Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. Today's love story belongs to Angelina, but it's a journey away from our usual terrain. In her early 30s, Angelina felt the itch to travel, so she left behind a successful career in advertising and a boyfriend to set off on a grand adventure alone. More than a decade later, she is still on the move and exploring her love of food and travel but now she has legions of followers living vicariously through her. This is the Canadian Love Map. Angelina, I don't know whether to say good morning or good night because it's different for each of us. It's more like good afternoon here. Tell us where in the world we're finding you. So I'm in Saigon, Vietnam, also known as Ho Chi Minh City, depending on who you're talking to. And I've been here for just under one week. Explain, if you would, what you're doing there. Sure. So for the last 12 years, I have been a professional blogger. I have a website called Vegan is Magic, which is about traditional food around the world, trying to make it accessible for people, especially if they don't speak the language. So I think that's an excellent opportunity in Vietnam where I've come here. I have zero knowledge of the language, which is a very difficult language to master. And um, just learning the different etiquette, the food, uh, and then translating that onto my website and then also YouTube videos so that people can come here and feel comfortable, even though they may spend most of their time on Google Translate. But that's how life is here and very normal for locals. So that is what I'm learning, you know, in the last week. So before we get into your history and how you started this, I'd love you to tell me what the adventure of the last week has been like and what is to come for you in Vietnam. It's been really interesting. I have spent most of my time in countries where I understand the language at least a little bit um, because my history, I have an intermediate understanding of Spanish. I spent a lot of time in Latin America. Coming to Vietnam has been very different for me, definitely out of my comfort zone. It's been a lot of looking at signs, having no idea what they say, 
looking at food, wondering what's in it and half the time being wrong. And then, you know, using Google Translate to try to communicate with people to say, what's in this? And so it's been really wonderful, actually, because you learn that when you're in this vulnerable position, people are really, really kind. And so, so far, the experience here has just been fantastic of me saying, I don't know what's in it. I don't know if I ordered it correctly, but I'm just going to eat whatever they put on the table. And so far, it's all been fantastic. So that's a good strategy to have. It seems to me your life is as much a love affair with food as it is with travel. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, Food is certainly the entry point to understanding culture. It is the history. It is the way that you can talk to people about politics and geography and culture that does not seem intrusive. It's understanding immigration and and issues and how people live and what they cook in their home and why they don't have a stove or, you know, a lot of the great food around the world is actually peasant food. And so when you go to another country and you don't speak the language, Food is a really great way to connect with people in a way that is warm and welcoming versus saying, you know, tell me all about your culture and the history and why your country is the way it is. It's sort of a language of love, isn't it, food? It is. It is. I mean, you can smile over food. You can compliment people over food. You know, a simple thumbs up is just a a great way to show someone that you appreciate what they put on the table for you. And so it's a really easy way to connect with people. And I think so many people are afraid of that. They're afraid of saying something wrong or doing something wrong. I do things that are wrong all of the time, but people forgive you. They forgive you because they know that you've come to their table. You want to support them, that you want to have an enjoyable meal experience with them. And so even when you're doing the wrong thing, they know that you mean the right thing. You're just, you know, you're you're not from there. And so you don't always know the proper way to do things. And and the love, of course, goes both ways in that it it can be such a sign of hospitality and friendship or nurturing by the person who's actually made the food and is offering it to you. Absolutely. And I think that's why My favorite way to eat is actually on the street, and I really try to focus on traditional food and supporting independent restaurants, you know, the small spots that don't have marketing budgets to make the top 10 restaurant lists, but are, you know, the moms and the grandmothers and the families that have had a spot for generations. Here in Vietnam, my favorite way to eat is just on the street, on these tiny plastic stools that thankfully I'm only five feet tall. So it's not a big deal for me, but I do see a lot of like big German travelers, like just hunched over their meal. But those are the favorite places for me because I think also now more than ever, because the last two years have been so difficult for so many people, the hardest hit are those small independent businesses. And so that is where you can make the greatest impact as a traveler by eating at these places and supporting these people. And yes, and and make the greatest connection as well. You know, you're taking me back to my honeymoon in Chile Mm -hmm. and we sought out several places like that that were recommended by friends that were completely off the beaten path and where the locals ate. Yeah. And it was a joyful experience. Yeah. So Obviously, there are a lot of people who are on board with what you're doing because Mm -hmm. you've got a huge following, which I just love. I would like for you to go back and tell us how this whole adventure started for you. 
I'm originally from Nova Scotia, but in my early 30s, I worked at an advertising agency in Toronto. I was doing very well, was being groomed to be senior management. You know, I had been told, you know, someday if you wanted to, you could become president and really enjoyed marketing, advertising, the creative side of it. Although I was a strategist, so really I was like the suit. But I think other people would have looked at me and said, oh, she has it all. She has a great job. I had a boyfriend. You know, I had a great apartment, friends. And so for people looking on the outside in, they probably would have thought, oh, she's so happy. For me, the reality was I was 75% happy. Actually, you know what? I'm going to bump it up. I'm going to say I was 95% happy. But all I could feel was this 5% of unhappiness, this 5% of unknowing. It was like a hole. And so so instead of being, I think like most people are like 95, that's good enough. I just felt like this 5% that I could not shake. And so I had always loved travel. And at that time I was 31 and I thought, oh, you know, like I've got to be on this track to lock down this boyfriend, turn it into a marriage, have kids. Like I'm running out of time. Like this biological aspect that so many women face. And also at the same time, I had climbed the corporate ladder so quickly and I was successful that I had gotten there and forgotten. Like, is this what I actually want? Just because I can do it. Do I want to be here? Do I enjoy my job? Is it fulfilling? Because at a certain point you make so much money and you think, well, it it really doesn't matter. If you go into your job and you're, you're not feeling like that's who you are. It's just that you are capable at it or more than capable. People think that you can go far. Does that mean you really want to do that? And so I decided to travel. So I decided I still had a student loan at that time. And I thought, I'm just going to throw all my money at my student loan and I'm going to save money. I'm just going to save enough money. And I started to do some research, started reading online and saw that, oh, I could probably travel for $1,000 a month around the world if I chose the right places. And so that's what I did. Now, I was very lucky in that because I worked at a creative agency, they said to me, you know what? We're sad to lose you, but when you come back, we will be here. Oh, that's huge. We're not keeping your job, but we will try to find a job for you. That that gave you a safety net, right? To uh, The confidence with which to go forward. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because I think a lot of women think that even if they have children and they're out of the workforce for for a year or maybe two, that they somehow lose their position. And so I was in a creative industry that welcomed that or understood that. So that was fantastic. And then my family is just really wonderful. My mother thought that I was crazy, but she said nothing to me. So she just thought, okay, okay. You know, she later said, I thought you were crazy, but I didn't know that until much later, you know, much later until I had my website and things were working out for me. Um, When I started my website, it was just a hobby. I didn't know what I would do with it, but I was a type A personality. You know, I kept a journal. I thought, I had read so many blogs preparing for my travels that I would kind of give back to the community. But it was early days of social media, 2010. So no one was really making a living from it. Nothing had really been happening. And so in the span of the last 13 years, things have changed so much. And so my role has changed so much. I've now taken on, you know, video. And it's really been a job that I love so much. I feel like I'm the luckiest person to get to meet people who are passionate about what they do, who love what they do. You know, it's not all 
roses. It's certainly challenging at times, but I feel like I get to meet the best people around the world and I become so inspired by them and I really feed off that energy. So was part of your decision, I think this is what I'm hearing, you thought, if I'm going to have kids, I might as well travel now because I've got to get this in or I'm not going to be happy in my life. Yeah, like I, yeah, exactly. It was like this itch that I needed to scratch. And then also looking back, you know, I had a five-year on-again, off-again relationship. And so our greatest moments together as a couple was when we were traveling. So I really wanted him to come with me. And I tried to bully him, to cajole him, to convince him. I cried. I laughed. Like I tried to do everything I could to encourage him to come with me. But that was not his dream. And so there was this moment that I realized if I want to do this, I have to do this myself. And that was absolutely terrifying. But my father died when I was five and that really left a lasting imprint on me. And I thought, I am so scared to do this. I'm so scared to leave this comfort zone of where my life is good. People think I'm great at my job and I have friends and a boyfriend and I have this whole settled life to go off into the unknown. But I was also really afraid of regret. I thought if I don't do this now, I will never do this. And I will always wonder what if. And so that's really what pushed me. I was afraid to do it and afraid not to do it. And in the end, I was more afraid of that regret. Mm-hmm. You know, that 5% you're talking about, that that unhappiness or the darkness that lingers in people's lives, sometimes it's 10%, sometimes it's 50 yes. and more. But a lot of people, I think, try to fill that emptiness with another human being. Yes. And until they learn that they have to actually be comfortable with themselves and, and you know, as, as try to learn to love themselves. Yes. Instead of trying to fill it with another human being, you set sail and decided as a single woman yeah. to travel the world. And I want to drill down on that a little bit because a lot of women in their early 30s, and I count myself in this group, would have been quite intimidated to travel alone. Mm-hmm. What was your experience and what gave you the the courage and, and strength to do that? Once I decided to make the decision to go, it was really, to be honest about, am I going to have children? Am I going to have children? Is that what's going to happen for me? And at that time, I still didn't feel it. At 31, I still did not feel it. I left when I was 32. And, you know, they say that this clock starts ticking. I was not feeling that clock and I've never felt it. But I still felt the societal pressure that, oh, you know, you only have so many years left, so you have to make this happen. So I thought, okay, if I go and I travel from like 32 to 34, maybe I come back at 35. And by 35 to 37, I can have a relationship and a children. It's like all of these things go on with women. It's stressful. Men do not have to deal with this, you know, but women do. Women do. And I then decided, okay, I want to travel through Latin America. Well, 2010 Latin America, people were very afraid. And certainly I think to travel as a woman through Latin America, if you have no experience with it, as I said, I grew up in Nova Scotia. So it wasn't a very diverse province growing up. It has since changed. But I didn't have a lot of experience. I don't think I knew anyone who was Latin American at the time. And so I bought a one-way ticket to Mexico. It was in April. I landed in Cancun. It turned out to be spring break and WestJet lost my luggage. And so I thought, well, I guess this is a sign that it's going to be an adventure. The first week was very, very difficult. I was lonely. I didn't know what to do, but I'm also stubborn. I had already 
quit my job, ended my relationship going through security at the airport, <laughs> sold off all my possessions for this backpack that WestJet still had not found. And so there was no going back. I just had to do it. And so I do get a lot of people who approach me about, you know, what it was like. And I tell them the first week is terrifying. You just have to get through the first week. And I think the biggest thing is, who am I when there's no one around to define me? That is what travel does. Right. It's almost like walking the Camino, isn't it? It is. It is. You have so many thoughts to yourself and you think, you know, there are all of these roles that women play to their partners, to their family, to their children. But when you are alone and no one knows who you are, who are you? And so travel does that. Travel continues. It's so funny. I, I had this conversation last night. Travel continues to do that to me with every country that I'm in. Who am I in this country? And so I think you start to get a better sense of yourself but also travel pushes you, again, outside your comfort zone, outside defining yourself of, well, maybe I am an introvert, but why? Why do I say no to new things? Why do I say I'm not a hiker? Why do I say I don't like this food or this wine or I don't like to do this? And so you really start to say yes to more things and realizing maybe you're not the person you thought you were. It also, I think really makes you live in the present more. You know, in your life, you can be on autopilot in your daily life. But when you travel, especially to an unexpected destination, you're not on a, an all-inclusive cruise or, you know, mm -hmm. a, a resort, it forces you to be present in a different way. And I think it, even what I've heard from you so far makes me think it's a great exercise in practicing. It is what it is. Yes. What, you know, you lost, you got to Mexico, you're there, you're without your bag. What a way mm -hmm. to introduce you to the idea that this is a new part of your life, which is going to be completely unpredictable. Yeah. I think there are two things that travel taught me that has made me who I am today. One is dealing with uncertainty. I think we always like to control things. It makes you more comfortable with not knowing what will happen next. People say, you know, where will you be in a couple of months? Where are you traveling after Vietnam? I don't know. I know that I need to visit my family in Nova Scotia in August, but I don't know where I will be next week. I don't know what will happen tomorrow. And so I let go of that need for control. The other thing that happens when you travel solo is in a way you kind of become invincible. I really think that when you are able to spend time with yourself, when you are able to go to a restaurant, have a meal, not feel awkward, but actually enjoy it, enjoy your own company, that is a sense of strength that no one can take from you. And that is something that I've really developed that it's great to share my travels. It's great to share my experiences, my life with other people. But at my heart, I know that I can do anything by myself. Hmm, that's huge. We couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the Canadian Love Map podcast without the amazing support of Charm Diamond Centers. They are Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, and they're proud to be putting love on the map. The folks at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit CharmDiamondCenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. I'm curious about some of the, or maybe even the most uh, challenging time you've had that taught you the most as you're traveling. 
Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm going to take you right back into it. <laughs> yeah, I would say it was probably the beginning. So I bought that one-way ticket to Cancun, and uh, I just had a lot of emotions. It was a very emotional time for me. I think I spent two months there. I cried everywhere. I cried on buses. I mean, at that time, it was 2010, so I didn't have an iPhone. I didn't have any phone whatsoever. You know, we had email and Skype, and so, you know, I could talk to my family, but I didn't have a phone. And so when I was on my own, I was on my own. But also, that meant I didn't have Google Maps. And so I would get off a bus. I had lots of great experiences with people being kind, but I was also so cheap that I always wanted to walk to my hostel. I got lost so many times. My bag was too heavy. I sat on so many curbs just crying and feeling sorry for myself and thought, okay, I had the pity party. Now I need to get up because no one's going to walk me to the hostel. Like, I, if It's me. I am the only person who can help myself at this point. So it was a lot of little, to be honest, experiences like that. And then also understanding in Latin America, it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel the emotions. Yes. You know, I feel like I was that like gringo on the bus with a scarf, like just bawling. Sometimes I cried because I was so happy. Sometimes I was sad. Sometimes I was lonely. Sometimes I didn't know what was going on. And nobody looks at you like you're crazy. And so you can really feel emotions in a safe way that I think before I always felt like I had to hold back. I would say if you talk to my family, they would probably say they've only seen me cry maybe two or three times in my whole life. I was very stoic, strong. And then Mexico just broke me down and like ripped me open. And I was just crying all the time. And so now I'm much more open with sharing my feelings, even the ones that are uncomfortable, not just the good ones, but also the bad ones. That's really beautiful. I, I believe in the expression feelings are for feeling. And Mexico was like a journey from suppression to expression for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It all just, it was like all of the things that I had felt for 32 years, but held back just hit me at once. And I just, it was like two months of crying. That's what I remember as it was beautiful. I loved it. I'm so thankful to that country for it. I think that's really interesting. That idea that our comfort level with uncertainty yeah. only comes through letting go of our concern about other people's judgment. The greatest gift my mom said to me was, I said, I don't know if this is going to work out. This was early days. And she said, well, if it doesn't work out, you got to come home and get a job like the rest of us. Like if that's the worst thing, then you're okay. And so that actually her saying that to me, I don't think she remembers saying it, but her saying that to me really meant a lot because I thought that's right. What is the worst thing that could happen? There's this notion these days that uh, you can do solo dating, and that's exactly what it sounds like. You invented it almost. <laughs> can you tell me about your most romantic or rich solo date? It was actually quite recently. It was in the summer. I went to Greece in the summer to a city called Thessaloniki, which is a fantastic foodie city that not a lot of people know about. And I just had a few days to myself to wander the markets and restaurants and things like that. And in one of the markets, there was this really beautiful restaurant just serving, you know, house wine and a lot of very traditional foods. And so usual. I sit down and they say, is someone joining you? No. <laughs> and so they take away all of the other like cutlery and everything. So everybody knows that you're alone. Anyway, the staff there was actually really wonderful because I just said to them, you know, what do you think I should have? 
And they really took care of me. They suggested the wine and then a couple of plates that were very affordable. And it was just, you know, I was in Greece having the perfect day in the sun with wine and food. And I was perfectly happy by myself. And it was really one of those days that was just so liberating to know that I could sit there. And one of my favorite days in the entire year of traveling was just by myself. It sounds like a scene out of the old movie, Shirley Valentine. Yeah, it was special. Was there some element of eat, pray, love in your journeys? (laughs) I'm asking a personal question in a very veiled way. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, certainly the uh, the book had just come out that way. I, I definitely had those experiences, maybe not the prey experience, but I have met people along the way that have been amazing. And I am currently in a relationship. And so it's funny because a lot of people will say, oh, you learn to be by yourself so you can be with someone else. That's not it. You learn to be by yourself so you can stand on your own. And what I really love about this relationship and as I've gotten older is I am a complete person as myself. I don't need that other person to fill the missing pieces. I don't believe like you complete me. You're my other half. There's only one other person in the world for you. I I don't believe that. And so right now I've met someone who is a complete individual on their own and we share our life together. So we are complete and we share. And I think that's a really beautiful experience because also you don't depend on that person for your happiness. You can be happy on your own. And then you respect that person because you are not completing them. They are also complete. And so you have this mutual respect that you only really get when you love yourself and they also feel the same way. That's scary for some people. I think some people feel like they need you to need them. Yes. And and that's not what it's like. And certainly I think for some people, they might think that um, I'm too independent or um, because I don't need them because I am not seeking a relationship or need a man. It's not like that. You know, in my current relationship, I choose. I choose because he's a wonderful person. I have an amazing time with him, you know, and so that is what makes life better. And certainly now being in Vietnam and sharing this experience is is amazing. But you have to come to that point. Otherwise, I think when you're always looking to the other person for happiness, you will never be happy because you're always living off their reaction, how they are, um, what they're doing. If they are validating you, how do they see you? When you really need to look at yourself, how do you see yourself? And the rug can get pulled out from under you so easily if you rely on oh, yeah. someone else for your happiness. Mm-hmm. Will you share the details of how you met since sure. our, our podcast is all about all kinds of love? After what happened in 2020, I was living in Cuba. So I've been based out of Cuba for two years and I flew in March 2020. And so I was only there for, I went home. Uh, for an extended holiday with my family, flew back March 2020. And then all of a sudden, it was like two weeks later, I had to fly back home. So that was an interesting one. I think like most people, I thought, oh, I'll probably be back by July. And so I still haven't been back. Cuba is a whole other, you know, talk about love stories. That's a very complicated one. But I still haven't been back. But after 
COVID, I realized I wanted a real adventure again. So Latin America has become very much a comfort zone for me because, you know, I've gotten to a point where I understand the culture. I've been to most of the countries. And so it's very easy for me to do. So I wanted to go to something completely different. And my video editor is from Indonesia. They have amazing food there. And he said, you should come here. I really think if you came here, you would love it. Now, I had only ever heard of Bali. Bali for me reminds me of like Tulum, Mexico, which is like people from LA coming down to party and take Instagram pictures. So I did not want to go. And he said, no, 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 no. We have like 17,000 islands. There is so much more than that one island. You really should come. And so I did. I didn't go to Bali. I went to a food island called Sumatra, where the coffee is from. And one of my guides became my friend. And he introduced me to another guide who is now my boyfriend. And so we went for breakfast and I didn't know this, but our mutual friends just thought we would connect. And so it was a setup, but I didn't know. It's just been really wonderful. You know, it's been, I think we're heading into eight months now. Tourism on his island just has not picked up. And so he's been able to come with me and travel places. So we've been to India together and then Malaysia. And now we're here in Vietnam. So I love traveling alone. I always will. But I also think traveling with someone else is really special too. Well, we talked about how food can be a language of love and clearly mm -hmm. you have a passion and love for travel, but you're also creating a lot of content for yes. your website and blog. And I'm, I'm curious to know how that is an act of love for you because you have a relationship with your audience or your clan. Mm -hmm. right? On my website, I was very vulnerable very early on on my website about what it was like to quit a job, quit a relationship, be in your early 30s, not know what was going on, because I had started it and thought there would be like this light bulb moment where I thought, this is, you know, what I'm going to do with my life. And it wasn't like that at all. It was kind of like a dimmer. And but it, it's never bright. No one ever really knows if some people say they know, but I feel like deep down, they don't know 100%. And so I really connected with a community of that. There were a lot of women in their 30s. I met them on the road who felt the same way and a lot of men as well. So I think a lot of people followed me for travel, but also followed me because they connected with me. So the most common thing is people feel like, you know, they know me. I'm one of their friends. And so I love blogging. But after 10 years, I was really kind of burning out from it. And so when um, the pandemic happened, I decided to start YouTube. I always wanted to do video. And I thought, well, I'm going to be stuck in Nova Scotia for who knows how long, you know, let me start here, figure out how to do it. Like, I'm not comfortable on camera. But I knew the only way I will become more comfortable on camera is to do it. I knew I would be terrible. But the only way to get better is to do it. I would say for the most part, everyone has been really wonderful. And I've actually come to love video more than my website. And so the way that I kind of work with it is um, video is kind of the inspiration. And then now my website has become the travel planning. So people who want to actually follow the path can go to my website, get the details and plan their own vacation based on the details. And the recipes. And recipes and all of that. I love the recipes. I can't wait to try some of them from all over the world. Yeah. It sounds like you have a team of creators around the world as well. The website and the channel are mine. However, you can't do everything yourself. And so for the first year of video editing, I did it myself because I wanted to learn how to do it so I could communicate with someone else. 
of what I wanted. But my dream is not to be like the best video editor in life. And also having a website as a full-time job, having a blog as a full-time job. And then everybody expects you to be like on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and Facebook. And it's so much. And so I do have to have help. And so my priority right now is video. You know, you do need help. It takes a village to be a creator and also to keep me sane because it can be a very lonely job. And now with this relationship, you know, being on the road, having someone to shoot your video and take pictures of you is wonderful. I mean, I can do it myself. I've done it by myself for very long, for a long time. I've taken my own picture. I've shot my own video, but also to have someone else help you with that is fantastic. I am not the kind of entrepreneur that needs to do everything themselves. I'm the kind of entrepreneur that really wants just to surround myself with good people, also to support them and to create kind of my own group of people that are that I trust and also have the same vision of what I want to share, which is to make travel to lesser known places, less intimidating for people. Yeah. I believe that creative collaboration can be a really sweet spot in life. Mm -hmm. I wonder where the name for your website came from. Baconismagic.ca. I have always loved to cook. I have always loved cooking. And so within my group of friends, someone would say to me, why is your minestrone so good? Why is this tomato sauce so good? What is in this little, you know, something that you made? It was always a little bit of pork. So it was a little bit of pancetta or a little bit of chorizo. And so people would say, I had no idea. And I would say, that's because bacon is magic. It's just a little bit of flavor that gives a depth that people can't tell. Now, the interesting thing about that is people think I just really love bacon all the time. And so I want like bacon weed tacos and things like that. <laughs> Not at all. I want a giant salad with a little bit of bacon on it. Like I really do believe in that kind of moderation. But a lot of people do call me the bacon lady and they're like, hey, we developed this seven course meal that's all pork. And I'm thinking, oh, that sounds great. Thank you so much. <laughs> So I, I can relate. I, I have on occasion said that I could be a vegetarian, but for bacon. <laughs> yeah, you just need a little bit of it. You know, when people send me these crazy things made out of bacon, I think you just need a little bit. It doesn't have to be the whole meal. Subtle, subtle bacon. What is your definition of love? As complex a question as that. I know. Wow. I, I, that is a very complex question. You know, I think love is acceptance if I had to really narrow it down to something. So mm. I think acceptance of yourself for self-love, the good and the bad, you know, there are parts of me that really I could change. I should change. I'm very aware of, but accepting myself for who I am, what I look like, my faults, my good, you know, the good things about me. And then also I think that's the greatest gift you can give someone in a relationship is accepting all of them, not expecting them to be more, to change, all of these things, but saying like, I see you for who you are and I accept you for that. Okay. So I guess the, the last question I have is what is next for you? What What's on your horizon? Well, I don't know, but that's okay. Our plan right now, uh, so we were only going to stay in Ho Chi Minh City, Saigon for a week and we've loved it so much. I just said, let's just stay for another week. 
Let's just figure it out. We're just going to do it. And so the grand plan, the vision for this Vietnam trip is actually to take a motorbike and ride it from the south to the north. And so that will give us the opportunity to get into those little villages to, if we see something interesting, to pop in, to have experiences that we wouldn't have if we were on a bus, just going from major tourist attraction to major tourist attraction. And those are the places that I love, just the little spots that, you know, maybe you need gas and then you get gas and you realize that there is this little spot that you can have coffee or tea and meet people. And those are really the special experiences for me. We'll hit all the hot spots because that's what people want to see, but also to encourage people like also there are, you know, these really small spots that you can see that Anthony Bourdain did not go to, but are still fantastic. So don't worry. I love it. Well, yeah. listen, thank you so much. I'm going to watch your your travels with interest. And I hope that when you're, you said you're going to be in Nova Scotia in August, maybe That's we'll right. be able to get together for lunch and I can hear some of your fabulous stories. I would love that. I'll buy lunch. Oh, even better. Thank you. I will be there. We'll make sure to share your links uh, in our descriptions. And we just want to say thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. And if you want to help us spread the love even more, rate and review our podcast. It makes such a difference. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map. This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter.